Welcome to the Leadership Update Brief. Today's entrepreneurs and business leaders face change and transition as a constant part of daily life. Inspired by stories of today's military veterans and service members, we embark on a journey to explore their transformations and equip ourselves with new ideas and motivation towards mastering the challenge of working with dynamic and changing environments. Here's the host of the Leadership Update Brief and the guide to your journey, Ed Brixie. Hello, and welcome to the Leadership Update Brief on C-Suite Radio. I'm Ed Brixie, and on this week's show, we break with tradition a little bit. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. Leadership, change, transformation, it's a holistic process. The more we focus on it, the more we try to break it into its individual pieces, the more ambiguous it becomes. Focusing on these tasks and creating significant change and forward momentum on such broad concepts, sometimes you have to step back and look at the bigger picture. Frequently, the lens that we're using isn't the only one. Moreover, we would be setting a poor example if we focused on the same thing every time we spoke, even on this program. With that in mind, we're taking a little break of the tradition of our usual guest. This week, we are very excited to welcome Bawa Jane, the Secretary General for the World Council of Religious Leaders to the United Nations, who will be speaking to us today about responsible leadership and a new summit that he's put together starting this year in 2019. Why responsible leadership and why build out from our original programming? Because when we look at leadership, when we look at change and growth in organizations, there is one rule and one rule only. Saying, because we have always done it this way, is always the wrong answer. You see, homogenous thinking is complacency, and complacency kills. If we want to move forward continuously, then we have to look around us and draw information and inspiration from as many sources as possible. Otherwise, we are going to miss something, fail to put something in place, or simply be left behind. In change in leadership disciplines, we cannot allow that to happen. Moving forward, we have to do a reconnaissance. We have to understand the lay of the land, what's in front of and adjacent to our positions, and what to expect as we embark on our journeys. In charting our course, are we right all the time? No, exceedingly rarely, to tell the truth, if we find what we we're expecting, we probably didn't go far enough. Every time we do something, we have a learning opportunity, and it is our responsibility to make the most of it. Simply put, our journeys in change, leadership, transformation, all take us deep into the unknown. But we have to have a basic chart, at least. And if we're building our map from the same thing we always have, we're missing out on valuable information, imagery, and insights. With that in mind, we're incredibly proud to welcome Bawa Jane to the Leadership Update Brief. Secretary Jane has a fantastic history as a religious diplomat, and brings a pearl of wisdom to the leadership process, one of temperance, responsibility, and the ability to see the larger picture for all stakeholders involved in change and transformation processes. We're incredibly excited to have him on the show, and we'll be right back with our interview with Secretary General Bawa Jane. 
And welcome back to the Leadership Update Brief. This is Ed Brixie, and I have the distinct pleasure of being here today with Bawa Jain, the Secretary General for the World Council of Religious Leaders. Bawa, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So it's wanted to talk to you today a little bit about got some work regarding your Center for Responsible Leadership. We'd love to hear a little bit more about what you're creating over there. Okay. Uh, thanks, Ed. You know, <clears throat> the Center for Responsible Leadership, the website is www.thecrl.org. T-H-E-C-R-L.org. www. So that is the site which will tell you a little bit. And the center really is, comes from a long experience of mine with dealing with people at the highest level. And over the last several years, what I'm discovering is there's a vacuum in responsible leadership in, the, in our society, especially when we look to things in Washington in particular. And so I was, I've consulted with many people and uh, came up with three basic questions. Remember, we are not here judging you. We are just asking you to reflect and ask, answer for yourself these questions. Number one is, do you make decisions based on the present or the future? Number two, are the decisions out of your conviction or is it convenience? And number three, are they constructive or destructive? We wanted to simplify it that even a lay person, common person would understand and think about these things for themselves. So our focus is how to spread this word around, ask the people in positions of leadership what responsible leadership means to them, ask them to reflect through the lens of these three questions and answer for themselves. Remember, we are not here to judge anybody. All we do is, seek to do is to remind you all and all the people that we encounter how we conduct our lives, each one of us. Uh, is it in a responsible way or not? Because if for me, you know, a fundamental attribute of a leader is responsibility. And each leader, in my opinion, must hold themselves, I em emphasize themselves, to a higher standard than most people. Because after all, we are seeking to lead many people and guide, hopefully guide them. So that's what we are seeking in a nutshell. Our first inaugural summit is at the United Nations on the 1st of May this year in New York. And we hope to assemble 100 other top leaders. Uh, our chairman is His Excellency Dr. Abdul Karim Al-Isa. He's the secretary of the Muslim World League. And he's been taking some bold and courageous steps towards the, uh, demonstrating responsible leadership. And so we are excited to partner with them uh, and launch the Center for Responsible Leadership. No, that's fantastic. No, you have some amazing pieces put together there already. I love the three questions. Um, the first one, do you make any decisions? And that's the hallmarks of leaders right there. We make decisions. We influence the people around us. We create and build the environment for people to prosper, for them to grow. And I think that's a hallmark right there. And making sure, again, with the last two, that you're acting out of conviction and that you're constructive in that. 
Where do you see the challenges being for leaders in answering those questions on, is this something that I'm working out of conviction or is this something that I'm working out of convenience? My experience is that uh, with the people that I put these questions to many a time, uh, even very powerful CEOs or political leaders, first they are a little taken aback and they want to reflect. Remember, for us as, you know, going to any of the people, whether it's a religious leader, okay, are you making decisions uh, out of your conviction or convenience, whether you're dealing with your congregations? How does it impact your congregation and their lives? And you have to lead by example. Okay, this is 90% of the world's population follows one religion or the other. Take it from a political lens. All our elected officials, ask yourselves this question. Is your primary motivation uh, you know, just to seek re-election or some interests or some lobbies or is it truly your conviction? And and for me, is you know, then history will judge whether it is constructive or destructive. Very quickly, you can see those things. For me, is just ask yourself these questions. And oftentimes, uh, there are people who have, for instance, just take a corporate person. You ask them conviction and convenience. Their big pressure always is that they have to declare annual dividends, annual results. So oftentimes, they're motivated by that. And you know some of the corporations which have manipulated their records and what happened to them or try and just you know, present a picture which looks good for the shareholders. Should that be the motivation solely? I'm saying yes, profits are very important. Shareholders are, are the backbone of their companies. But I think more and more people realize that they rather see that they are making a contribution to society and doing something for the betterment of the world, not just for their own personal benefits. So it's looking at the larger picture, because ultimately, you know, one day each one of us is going to go from here. And the, when the day comes, nothing that we have accumulated in this world of material consequence is going to go with us. No, that's absolutely true. And it's looking, like you said, at the larger impact. It's in the corporate sense, going beyond the shareholders and truly looking at all the stakeholders, because any major corporation, when you look at the footprint they have and how many people they can affect through their actions, their leadership has much more responsibility than simply a financial statement at the end of the quarter. Absolutely. And, you know, you know, remember, this transition is not going to be easy because we, we have been just so set in our ways. All I am saying is start that. Let's begin towards that. You know, there are urgent crises which are confronting us. And if we, if our leaders do not uh, take steps, then unfortunately we are in for some bad time, my friend. And that's what oh, we are I... trying to raise the consciousness for. Especially look at the environmental challenges. You know, uh, the UN developed the Millennium Development Goals in the year 2000. And uh, 15 years later when they evaluated, they saw that they had regressed from that, not progressed. There's a member countries. The world is rapidly being impacted. You know that a two degree uh, is, an, is a, it's a limit. And we are rapidly approaching that. Look at the natural and unnatural uh, you know, calamities which are happening with greater frequency. Look at the frigid, crazy weathers, you know, which we've experienced in our own country in the last month, uh, where you had Arctic temperatures. And suddenly there's some storms and things. So we have to take 
cognizance of this and see that we need to do something. So when these SDGs came up now, uh, I think the corporations are best suited to take whatever SDG is uh, they can. And because these people are in, you know, the major ones are in every country, they can begin to take them and start to implement them through their networks to start to change the pattern of going down the barrel, down the hill, and see if we can reverse the course. Or simplify the language, let a common person understand it, build it as a global movement so that everyone just knows simply what to do. Right now, unfortunately, 99% of the world does not know the SDGs and the subsets of goals and aspirations which are there. Lovely aspirations, lovely goals. We need to help the United Nations and international community to implement these by making them a reality through a global people's movement. Oh, certainly. And like you said earlier, it's about some of the small steps and creating some accountability. It's very difficult when you're implementing Millennium Goals and then 15 years later, you look at to find you've regressed. It's where was the accountability 14 years and 11 months ago to try to and what were the, some of the smaller goals that could have been used to implement some of these things? What as a challenge for leaders, what's something they can do right away that they can check here much quicker and much sooner that can help them create some a little bit more of this culture of accountability, a culture of responsibility. I, uh, I dare say you ask the majority of the leaders today, whether they're political, government, religious, whatever. My own estimate guess is that 99% of them don't really know what the SDGs are or what the subset of goals are. So, you know, those are very wonderful reports the 2000 scientists of the IPCC have done phenomenal work and all the research is there but it is so extensive and the language is so complicated that a common person oftentimes cannot understand it so first of all is can they begin to take this language see what are the conditions on whatever sector they are from whichever area of the world they are in see what are relevant to them what is something they can easily start to adopt and and start to create awareness of that within the communities and see what specific steps they can begin to take. Change will come. Well, if we can be, uh, commit to that, I'm, I'm convinced that you will see change very rapidly then. So it starts with changing the language so that something that people can instantly more relate to. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, remember the Earth Summit, which was such a huge event in 1992, right? The world talked about it. They don't realize that 20 years before that, there was also a UN's environmental initiative in 72. But look where we are today. We are coming in 2019 and we are still trying to produce the goals and the benchmarks. And each time we just seem to regress. So I think it's a, uh, I think that what is lacking is a political will, honestly, from our leadership. That if each government made it a priority, there are some which are making some priorities. If each of them made a priority and see that irrespective of our differences, we can reach across borders and work together. Because when the tragedy comes, it's not going to see, this is my ceiling, this is my physical uh, geographical border, and I'm not going to be, go beyond that. It'll impact everybody. No, certainly the impact of these tragedies and the impact of the, the potential impact is 
certainly catastrophic on a very large scale. And it's finding, okay, where are some of the small things that we can do in the meantime to start curtailing this, to start as a more grassroots efforts to get more people involved and aware and knowledgeable on what can be done. Absolutely. Absolutely. So what we want to do from the center is try and mobilize some of these, you know, our, our first event at the United Nations, we want to bring just about 100 people. And we hope that each one of them will somehow get uh, motivated and take the leadership to embark on some specific steps to implement. Uh, one is they can easily start to reach out to say five or 10 other people, create some kind of small working groups, consortiums or collaborations, partnerships, what, what you have and, and uh, start to implement. These are influential people. They have access to their governments. They have access to very important people, people of means, who once they are convinced can do something. And all we are seeking is to mobilize those that sector of society so that a common person can get behind them and understand what they need to do. Well, I am I am convinced that once is brought to the consciousness of the people, uh, human beings have an amazing way to come together and do something. Especially in moments of tragedy, you see how humanity comes together. Let's not wait for a tragedy to occur to bring us together. Let's be proactive and prevent any tragedy to befall us by doing something which can prevent any of those calamities. No, certainly it's acting a little bit more proactively. That's a hallmark for responsibility. It's the second steps after doing that is it's one thing to say what you're going to do. The second piece is implementing it, creating the collaborations, building the influence in the correct areas. What can be done to check back in and make sure that that accountability piece is there? Because it's not so much, these are great ideas, these are wonderful things to do, and everybody enjoys to say them. The step beyond is when we go out and we go home, what's something that we can do even as local leaders to make sure that we are holding the larger leaders accountable and or even holding ourselves accountable towards some making some of the changes that we'd like to see? A couple of things. One is that uh, one of our greatest rights, and we do not exercise it with that responsibility, is the right to vote. We we are we have an enormous power. Every common person, every every person, not just uh, leaders. Everyone has that right, and it's an equal right. We need to get more involved in the political process and elect those people who can and will be held accountable to influence decisions which are going to impact entire communities. Remember, here I I just let's focus on the United States of America. This is the most powerful country in the on the planet. This is the leader of the free world. What happens in America impacts the entire world. What, what we do or do not do, people react to and take notice of that. So we should take that leadership, take on the mantle and say, you know, we will lead the way to that. And uh, I, I believe me, economically and otherwise, it is a very wise decision to move towards that because we are securing our future for our children and children's children. So let's begin, number one is by that. And of course, first of all, we need to be aware of what we can do. You know, oftentimes when I talk to people, they say, what can I do? They, so let's not assume that everybody knows what to do. 
uh, that's where I think uh, you know we need, our religious leaders can be great advocates. If we can get them the right information, okay, this is your congregation in this community. This, this, this is what you can start to do, and they can make it part of their you know uh, service, part of their uh, preaching. Really, that okay, okay, let's do it. And the best way to lead is also by example. Roll up your sleeves and get onto it. Lead by example, not just rhetoric, just not just speaking. No, certainly the example goes a long way and it's in building the influence. I mean, it's one thing to have an electorate that has the ability to vote. It's something else to have an electorate that is informed voters, that has the long view, that has the appropriate awareness on the issues. And they're moving away from knee-jerk reactions at the polling versus here's the best decisions we can make. Here's putting the leaders in charge that can make the impacts that we need to see happen. Uh, absolutely. You know, uh, I cannot say enough about uh, the important role of the media in this. Just imagine if the core sectors of the media were, were to begin, uh, say a weekly or a monthly analysis of who is doing what, what they have committed to, just as a check, and bring it to the public awareness, common people. Imagine what will the kind of pressure will be there in the leaders that they are going to be measured every month or every week, and what will the you know the results show? So I'm asking and pleading for the media to get involved in this, and uh, you know hold these people uh, accountable. And, you know there are simple common sense things sometimes which just don't seem common sense, and we just dig in our heels for whatever reasons and and. Uh, Honestly, sometimes I wonder whether some people in leadership value life or is all life sacred and valuable equally. And to my mind, it should be. But oftentimes, I don't think it is. Based on your color, your caste, your ethnicity, your religion, which part of the world you are from, the value of life seems to be different. It should not be. No, certainly every person, every no matter their background, their upbringing, their demographics, every person brings value and a unique viewpoint and opinion that can create, when you look at the whole picture, can create something that's so much more solid than if you ever try to take sides or act in a much, in a partial manner. It's... You know, that the whole... Uh, you know, notion of success is measured by how much money you have accumulated in your life, or how much material things you have accumulated in your life, is not the true measure of success, in my opinion. And, you know, just that, you know, the moment you are gone from here, what good is that going to do to you? It's not going to go with you to heaven or wherever you're going. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I hats off to people like Warren Buffett and Bill Gates. Look what they have committed to and trying to help improve the lives of people around the world. Remarkable. So people that are mean, they know how much they need to have a very comfortable living, how much the children can have a very comfortable living. Rest, if we have earned it, we can just give back. You know, in my own uh, religion, my way of life, the Jains, there's a lovely philosophy. I do not know how many people actually practice it, right? In that they say is, 
when you are ready and you're getting into your the age when you're going to start to make money and earn money, think for yourself that how much money do I need in life to take care of all my desires, my needs, whatever. Fix that as a ceiling. Then go work diligently to earn that. And once you've accomplished that, keep working diligently the same way you as before, but put that money back to serve and take care of the people in the communities, in this, in your country, in your uh, in the world, wherever you can, but put it back, not going into your pocket. So that money you're earning, you're making sure it's the same effort you're putting in, but it is put back to serve, not just to accumulate for yourself. No, certainly the service aspect of leadership there. And as you said earlier, it's not so much the legacy that you leave behind is not the things you can take with you, but it's how you've created that next generation of leaders and how you've influenced the people around you towards creating that greater whole towards being constructive and solving problems and moving forward and addressing the needs of the community and the needs of the world around you. Absolutely. You know, you, you be the judge for yourself and see uh, at the end of a day, whether your decisions that day have, again, the three questions I ask, been out for the future or present, out of conviction or convenience, constructive or destructive. And I always remind myself that if, if there is something which you feel you do not want others to know, resist the temptation and don't do it. Because somewhere or the other, it will come out, one way or the other. So let's be self-analytical. And when you talk about leadership, you know, people almost think that leader means at the top, the apex, or but the fundamental, uh, you know, should be, if it isn't, a quality of a leader should be to serve. You are elected or you are appointed or you have the position to serve. That means that, you, you know, think of yourself as a servant of people, not thinking that you are in, uh, sitting on top of them and being judgment, uh, holding them in, in judgment and, and uh, steering them towards what you want. You have to understand what the needs are of the community, of the people that you seek to serve and work towards that, to fulfilling those. Not just impose what you want, irrespective of what the community wants, needs, and is essential for our very survival. No, I agree completely. It's when you have the aspects of a team and when you look at the role of a leader in leading a team, our objectives, no matter what they might be, if we're in a leadership position, are always greater than ourselves. It's always something that we can't accomplish on our own. And our role as a leader, because of that, turns into something where it is a little bit of servant leadership, where it is acting as a facilitator and ensuring the success of the people around us, because that's what ensures the success of what we're setting out to do. Absolutely. You know, uh, again, servant leadership is something which I think each one of the leaders, if you ask them, that the greatest joy is in serving, is in not in receiving, is in giving. That's been my experience in my life. I drive the maximum joy when I have the opportunity or I have the ability to serve, to serve, to give, not just to keep receiving. And that also goes to your, your basic mindset of, uh, you know, what is it that I want to accomplish in my own lifetime? 
and reflect that you know if today was the last day of your life and you were to go how would people remember you if you are comfortable with that wonderful keep doing that if not and go change the habits do something different No, absolutely. I, I agree completely. Bala, it's been wonderful having you on here. Thank you so much for sharing your thoughts. We're very much looking forward to the Peace Summit coming up and hearing more about and seeing more come out of the Center for Responsible Thanks. Leadership. It's called the uh, Responsible Leaders Summit. And, and, yes. and our goal, remember, is for us to succeed is we need to build partnerships, strategic partnerships very quickly. Because today the world is such that not one person, one nation can address and take care of the world's challenges and problems. We need to find the right partners, the like-minded people, and work together if we are to transform the world. I believe we can, we must, and we will. I agree. Thank you so much for your conviction, Bawa. It's great to have you on Thanks. Here. Take care. All the best. The inaugural Responsible Leadership Summit kicks off on April 30th, 2019 at the United Nations in New York. More information is available on their website at www.vcrl.org. Secretary Jane posed three great questions that can guide us in our leadership. Are we making decisions for the present or future? Are we acting out of conviction or convenience? Is it constructive or destructive? Responsible leadership goes a long way. The role of leadership is always building and accomplishing something greater than ourselves. In facilitating our teams towards success, it is about giving, and it's about leading this way. Leadership responsibility is crucial to keep in our mind as we move forward in our responsibilities as the helmsman for our leadership and transformational journeys, because it ties into every aspect of leadership and transformational journeys. As organizational leaders, we may have the misconception that we are in charge. In reality, the organization, our teams are in our charge. What we do benefits and affects everyone, whether they be under, above, or adjacent to us. As leaders, we have to keep this first and foremost in our minds. It is essential for us to remember that the more sources we draw information from, the more varied the source, the better overall picture we'll have on our journeys. And as leaders, this is one of our most significant priorities in charting things forward. Take ownership, take responsibility for what's around us, for our mission, and understand exactly everything that that mission entails. Thank you all for listening. I welcome your comments. You can find me on social media, both Twitter and Facebook at BlueCordMGMT or on LinkedIn, search for BlueCord Management. You can learn more about my company at www.bluecordmgmt.com. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or your favorite service. And as always, we are available on C-Suite Radio at c-suitenetwork.com. Thanks for listening. I look forward to continuing our journey soon. Have a wonderful day. You've been listening to C-Suite Radio. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.
As a loyal fan of this C-Suite radio show, I've got an incredible offer for you. Listeners to this podcast get 50% off a C-Suite network membership. The C-Suite network will help you become the most strategic person in the room. You'll have access to top-notch benefits and networking, all helping you get the most out of your position. Take advantage of this limited offer today. Learn more about the C-Suite Network membership at c-suitenetwork.com slash CSR. Again, that's 50% off a C-Suite Network membership at c-suitenetwork.com slash CSR. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.